Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you want to partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Oklahoma City campus pastor, Oscar Ortiz. Good morning, Victory Church. Good morning, Edmond Campus. Good morning, everyone that's watching and joining us online. So thankful to be here with you and worship. I, I pray that as we sing this song, um, as, as, we, as we sang this song in worship, that you truly open up your heart. One of the things that I was thinking even before I prepare for to speak today, you know, on average, we probably speak anywhere from four to 5,000 words uh, per message, and sometimes 6,000, let's be honest. But out of those 5,000 words, I'm praying, and I've been praying, that if you walk away with just one word from the Holy Spirit, not a word from my lips, I'm just a messenger, but one word from, from the Holy Spirit will make a difference in your life. Would you, would you receive that today? Come on, say, if you, if you need a word, does somebody need a word today? I'm telling you, it's not going to come from anything I say, but it pr primarily will come from what the Holy Spirit says to you today. I'm going to invite you to, to, to stand for the reading of, God, of God's word real quick. And the story that we're going to share today comes out of 1 Chronicles chapter 11. And while you go to your Bibles and do that, while you go flip your phones as you do that, uh, I'm, man, I'm so thankful that Pastor John was able to stop by this morning. Can we just honor him today? Edmund, he's with you right there. So um, just go after service. He, he told me he was looking forward to, to hugging as many people, group hugs. He loves group hugs. So surround him, uh, grab his knees, that's probably as much as you can grab, and just love on him. But be praying for him. Uh, many of you guys heard last week, he's preparing his next book, so we want to bless him and honor him as he prepares this next book. And, and I know it's going to be a huge, huge blessing to, to many people, uh, like his first book, Half the Battle, is it continues to be. So we're going to go to First Chronicles chapter 11. And it says this, now three of the 30 chief men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam while the army of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephaim. David was in the stronghold <clears throat> while the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. And David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So three broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. However, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord, and he said, Far be it from me before my God that I would do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? For they brought it at the risk of their lives. Therefore, he would not drink it. The three mighty men did 
these things. My message title for this morning, actually I have two, depending on, on, on your age. If you're over 30, the message title is, It's the Well in My Soul. Connect with you people over 30? If you're under 30, because you may not get that reference to that hymn, if you're under 30, you can title it, Oh Well. <laughs> just, just, Oh Well. That's it. Let's pray. Father, God, I'm so thankful that your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged, double-edged sword. And I pray that you, you, your sword, as a surgeon, comes not only to cut but to heal. So I pray that, that you bring truth and, and medicine, truth and grace in our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when you read this story, you kind of... Maybe you've read it a, a, a few times, and you can just read it and, and see this story and just kind of skip it. When I would read it and skip it, I would get a little bit upset because this story is upsetting to me. Anybody else? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. David was kind of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> won't, you, won't you agree? I mean, I don't like to waste, to waste things. And I don't know about you, but I, like, I don't like to waste food. Maybe because of the way I was brought up, I, I eat everything on the plate, even past my level of hunger. Like, I'm done being hungry, but if I serve myself too much, I will endure the pain. <laughs> and sometimes my mouth gets me in trouble because my stomach is like, okay, we're out, we're closed, no more, no more. And my mouth is like, oh, come on, we can handle a little bit more. Anybody there with me? I just don't like to waste food. Sometimes when we go to restaurants, I will order something small simply because I know my kids are not going to finish their food and I'm going to end up finishing it for them. I believe that's part of my duty as a dad to finish the food from my kids. Any other dads with me on that? And, you know, those choices show up later on in life. I don't like to waste food. Talking to, to our team uh, this morning, they remind me of some of the other things that people don't like to waste. I mean, some of you get the, the main ones. You don't like to waste money. You don't like to waste time. Now, you don't like to waste gas. You know, every trip, you got to make it count. If I'm going out, what are the four or five errands that I need to do in one spot? And that's it. But then I heard some other ones. Maybe you can relate to this. Some people don't like to waste paper towels. Like... Right? I, somebody, I heard an amen. Thank you. No, no shame in that. Like after you get it wet, you hang it out to dry so that you can reuse it. <laughs> I'm taking notes. Some people don't like to wait. And like my mom is one of these where they don't like to waste. She'll reuse some of the cooking oil that she used left over and save it. I see people looking around like, yeah, I know someone who does that. For later. Or like when you water the potatoes, the potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> when you water the potatoes, some people like to save the water to reuse it later because you don't like to waste. I get it. We all have some type of thing that we don't like to waste. I, I, some of you guys I, I don't like to waste the, fr uh, the Freon in your AC, so, so you don't put it all the way cold because you're thinking, if I save a little bit, 
then, you know, it'll last longer this summer. You know, I wonder if God is someone who doesn't like to waste things. Think about it. He reuses the rain for crops throughout throughout the, the entire earth. I mean, when something dies, it doesn't just die. It goes into the ground, reuses it, and becomes life for something else to grow. I mean, if you ever lived on a farm, you use everything the animals give you. The good, the bad, and the smelly. From chickens. I was learning from someone today. I was having coffee. How some farmers reuse the stuff the chicken let out of their bodies to help with the ground. And not, not only that, I mean, but it just helps get the ground Make the ground better as the chickens pick, pick out the worms and everything. It's just a cycle. I, I believe that God is a God who doesn't waste things. And that encourages me because in this story, even though we hear about someone who seemingly wasted something very precious, water from a well, I wonder if there's more to the story that God wants to teach us today. So I believe that... There's a well in this story that contains two truths that I want to share with you later on. The truths that I would like to draw from are these. The first one is your well will determine your well-being. And second, your well will determine who you worship. Your well will determine your well-being. And your well will determine who you worship. See, in verse 17, it says, And David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Now, I used to have a sort of manipulative grandma. And I don't understand why she would do this, but there were times where she wouldn't, instead of just asking what she wanted, she would just say, oh, if I, I wish I had someone who could bring, bring me my house slippers. Like, there's three of us kind of looking around like, what? Why can, why can she just say, would you please bring me my slippers? Oh, if I wish someone could give me a hug, well, why don't you just ask, can you please give me a hug? So I want to help some of you guys today with communication, okay? <laughs> because I, it, it sounds a little bit weird how David presents it. So here's, here's my word of wisdom. Um, l- ladies, if you ask... Your, your, your boyfriend or your, your friend or your husband, uh, when, when he asks you for Valentine's or for Christmas, hey, what do you want for Valentine's? What do you want for Christmas? If you say to him, surprise me, you better be 100% ready for a surprise. <laughs> you cannot complain about whatever he gives you because your communication was surprise me, right? So, when we read David in this story, I, I sincerely believe that he was not trying to be manipulative. I don't think he loved his men too much to ask him for that. So to understand this story, King Saul just died. He was just murdered with his sons. And because he was murdered, now David becomes king. He's been, he's been made king, but not everyone was happy about this. 
So David has waited. Remember, Samuel anoints him, and he has to wait over a decade before he becomes king. But even though he was made king in Jerusalem, some leaders there were not happy about it. So now David has to go to war with Jerusalem to overtake it. So there's a Philistine army that's paying very close attention to what's happening because this is a great opportunity for them to come in. Why? Because there's a transition of power in the throne room. And second, there's a civil war taking place. Now, the author of First Chronicles, his name is Ezra. And one thing about Ezra, as he writes, is that he was a priest and he was a scribe. And I tell you this because what he wrote was very intentional and focused. He doesn't just write fluff. He was an experienced writer. So whenever he writes something, he wants you, he puts it there for a reason. It's of no surprise that he's telling us multiple times what David was craving for and where it was. But there's a problem with this water that David is craving. The Philistine army is surrounding it, surrounding this well. And I believe sometimes that the enemy can be very clever and he will come after you. Have you noticed that when you gave your life to Jesus, when there was a transition of power from who was going to be sitting in the throne of your heart, that the enemy uses this opportunity to come and attack you because he knows that whoever sits in the throne of your heart will dictate the well you have access to. Whoever sits in the throne of your heart will dictate the well that you have access to. Here's one thing about the enemy knows that I don't know if you realize about yourself, but we all get thirsty. I get thirsty. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you look thirsty. Some of you guys were not happy that you, that you are thirsty. Come on, Edmund, turn to your neighbor and say, you look thirsty. You look really thirsty. Why? Because we're human. I mean, the Bible says we're dust. Dust is dry. Some of you guys get your dry humor from, from where you came from. And because we're dust, and because we're dry, dust and dry ground needs water, we all get thirsty. So when we give your life to Jesus, how many of you noticed that your previous thirst did not go away right away? You give your life to Jesus, and some of those thirsts are still there. You, you want to do the things that you used to do before. You want to talk the same way. You want to... Come on, let's be real. You want to smoke the same stuff? You want to treat people the same way? You want to click on the same web pages? You want to have adult sleepovers with people you're not married to, if we can put it that way? You want to talk the same way you used to talk, but you're now following Jesus and you realize that you still have withdrawals from the water you used to drink. It's not... If we, if we get thirsty, it's when we get thirsty, where are we going to get our water from? Where are you going to go to bring satisfaction to your thirst? And isn't it interesting that Satan never puts his army around wells that he wants you to drink from? He only surrounds the things that he knows are there to bring life 
to you. Why? Because he knows this principle. Your well determines your well-being. Your well determines your well-being. Now, what well does your mind go to, drink from, that keeps alive your insecurities? What's the tape that we play over and over that feeds our fears and our anxieties? How's your self-talk? You, anybody know about self-talk? The conversations that you have with yourself that nobody else gets to listen to? What will do you drink from whenever you're emotionally thirsty and you need people to validate you? Where do you go for validation? Because Satan has plenty of wells available for us with a huge welcome sign. Because he knows that your well will determine your well-being. And I believe that this is why we need God's word and this is why we need the Holy Spirit. Because here's what happens. Sometimes we're not good enough or, or open enough to understand which wells we should not be drinking from. Let's be honest. Sometimes we miss it as believers. And we confuse the wells. And we need the Holy Spirit because he lovingly reminds us or lets us know through his word, through people in our life, the wells that aren't so well. He lovingly shows us that at times that what's inside of us, what we drink from, will eventually spill, spill out. Your fear, anxiety, lust, pride, greed, idolatry, religion. When that comes out, it's because it was in there to begin with. Now, I know no one, no one here, it's like that. Nowhere in, in Edmond. But have you ever met someone that... Having a conversation with them, all of a sudden they said something that they were not supposed to. And they all of a sudden said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Not, no one in this room here. But family reunions especially happens this all the time. That you're talking with people and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from. That came from your well. That came from... The places that you've been drawing water to drink from. And the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why? Because our words come from the well we drink from. If you don't like the way you talk, change your well. If you don't like the thoughts that come to your mind, change your well. Now, I know, that, once again, no one in this room, but have you met people... We're talking about people today, not people that come to Victory or, or, or uh, Edmund or OKC or watching online, but people that you know that are not here, that should be here. <laughs> if you're laughing too hard, check your well. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm just laughing on the inside too. <laughs> have you met people who, are, who have fallen, I mean, like head over heels in love, completely smitten and utterly enamored? With their opinion. So much that their opinion gets a Valentine's card. Like, you're so hot. I just love you. You need to, t I wish more people heard what you have to say. And this is one of the most dangerous wells to drink from. The well that says, 
we value our opinion way too much. Sometimes we need to get away from the well of social media because it's not so well. See, Proverbs 18.2, this is not on, 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 on the screen, but I'm going to give it to you. It says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Why? Because our thoughts that fill our mind come from the well that we drink from. If you find yourself regularly, and I want you to help me with this. If you, have, if you find yourself regularly wanting people to hear your opinion, check your well. Turn to the, someone, to the person next to you, tell them, check your well. If you get easily angry, check your well. Can somebody say, well? well. Edmund say, well. If you're dealing with fear and anxiety, check your well. You know, let me help you. I hope this helps you because I think one of the ways that we can Think about this differently in, is changing the name of some of the things we allow to come into our lives, into our homes. For example, instead of just watching the news, you should add the, the word well next to them. So it's no longer I'm just going to watch CNN, but I'm going to watch the CNN well. I'm not just going to watch Fox News. I'm going to watch Fox News well, MS, MSNBC well. The TV show added, I'm going to watch this well. When, when you're in, on social media, I'm going to go to the Instagram well. I'm going to go to the TikTok. Well. No, not well. <laughs> well. There we go. Come on. Let's, you're, you're with me. You're, you're, you'll get there. Not just Instagram, not TikTok, not, not social media. All of that is a well. well. Why? Because what we put into our, our life comes from the well that, that we've been drink from. Let, let me take it even a step further. The music we listen to. Oh, man. Move your toes. Because <laughs> I'm coming. There's nothing wrong with secular music, but there's some things that you have to ask yourself. What was the author or songwriter what well were they thinking, drinking from before they wrote those lyrics? Because here's the truth. You're about to drink from the same well. And sometimes, I know you, it's just to pump up workout music, but sometimes what you listen to comes from someone who drank from the well that God is telling you you should stay away from. Because it is not well. In 2020, the year of the pandemic, Air Jordan shoes spent or made $4.7 billion in the U.S. alone. The same year, Mercedes-Benz made over $22 billion. Louis Vuitton or Louis Vuitton, depending where you're from, $75 billion. Now, what's interesting about these numbers is that a large percentage of these purchases were made by people who live paycheck by paycheck. What makes this attractive? What's, what makes this that many of us are so attracted to that? It's called the well of status. When people can't find true freedom or satisfy their thirst... They will surround themselves with what they think the symbols of that freedom are. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with having a nice car or having a nice purse. But if you're hoping your shoes, your car, or your purse gives you status and satisfies your thirst for worth, this well will leave you unwell and eventually broke. Don't go to the well of status because your well will determine your well-being. Then verse 19 says, and he said, far be it from me before my God that I would do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? The second thought is simply this, your well will determine who you worship. Now, after reading this, I thought, okay, King David is so thirsty, so dehydrated that he's hallucinating now. Because the men brought him water, and he opens it up and he says, am I going to drink this blood? Now, can you imagine the men being who were the ones that brought the water, what they're thinking? I mean, they just brought high-quality H2O. <laughs> but whenever he receives it, he sees it as blood. Jesus turned water into wine. Now David is turning water into blood. Now, to help you illustrate this, to see how, how big of a deal this, this was, this is where David is hiding in Adullam. This is where the cave is. And this, this is Bethlehem where the well is. Now, from this distance, from here to here, it doesn't look that far, but it's actually 13 miles. And it's not a flat terrain. If you can see, it's mountainous. It's a very, very hard terrain. This trip probably took him around 15 hours to bring a small jar of water. And in fact, it was probably around this size, except in having one, one handle would have two around the neck. So they went on a 15-hour trip, 26 miles in hot desert sun. How do we know it's hot? Because when Samuel tells this story, he tells us that it was during harvest time. To bring this water, so they bring it to the king, and as soon as they presented to David, he ignores them. Now, I can just picture them coming all the way from Adullam thinking, man, I can't believe we did this. This was an impossible mission. I can't wait until I see David's face whenever he drinks the water that we brought him. That costs us so much. 13 miles each way, hot desert terrain. Not only that, once you get there, you still have to see if you're going to survive going through the camp of the enemy to steal water that is surrounded completely by the enemy. And on the way back, I can just picture Man, I'm so excited. God was with us. He gave us this water. God is for us. God is awesome. We, this is only, we did this because of God. Here it is, King David, and he receives it, and he's like, and he ignores him. He's like, am I going to drink this blood? And this is where, where I got a little upset until I read verses 18 and 19. It says, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it from me before my God that I would do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who went to risk their lives? 
So they present him the water and he's not even talking to them. They deserve every bit of his attention. And he ignores them. He's not talking to them. He's not talking to, to his army. As he begins to pour the water into the ground, he immediately says, I cannot drink this. I'm pouring this unto the Lord. Silence probably filled that room, that cave, that dark cave, the same way it's filling it now. Why would David, a loving king, do this to his men? Why would he waste such a precious gift? Wasn't David in the first place the one who said, I wish someone would bring me water, not just any water, but from Bethlehem, not just anywhere in Bethlehem, but the one by the gate. He was so specific that these three men thought, we're going to get it for him. It doesn't matter if it costs us our lives. But his words, even though we, we don't understand this, how we see it and we think David is wasting precious water. His words gives us an insight into what that meant. I mean, if my mom would have been there, she would have gotten her chancla, that's her slip, like her slipper, that's called a chancla in Spanish. And she would have just like smacked the crown right off of David. <laughs> like you, you at least say thank you, malagradecido. That's ungrateful. And I thought the same thing. But as we read this, we understand that when David said, shall I drink this blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? When he said these words, he immediately takes his audience and his men to the Torah, to the book of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy 12, 16 says, only you shall not eat the blood. You are to pour it out on the ground like water. Here's what happens. David immediately knew that these men had risked their lives. They had sacrificed themselves to bring more than just water. When they brought the water in David's hands, it was no longer water. Now it was an opportunity for worship. Because in Deuteronomy, when they read Deuteronomy chapter 12, that is in the context. And some of your Bible says this is a preparation of God's house of worship. This was something that would be done as part of the worship ritual, ritual in the tent. So when David begins to pour the water out, he lets his men know this is not just water. This is a sacrifice of worship. I cannot drink this because I am not the, the source of these men. I must pour it out to the Lord. And instead of responding to them, he pours it out to the Lord. In one moment, that dark cave in Adullam, David welcomed a greater king to walk into that cave, and he begins to worship him. What an invitation that God has for us today. Now you say, Pastor, I, don't, I, I really don't see worship in this verse, but it's all through it. That's why sometimes we skip it and we, and we miss it, because worship It's all through this scripture. Now you may say, but pastor, there's no music, there's no singing, there's, there, there are no instruments. And we have to remember that music is a form of worship. But not all music is worship. And most worship is actually isn't music. I know as a, as a culture in, in America, when we think let's go to worship, that usually means let's go sing together. 
But that's only a fragment of what true worship is in the Bible. So I want us to expand our idea of what worship is and not just limit it to music. To help you understand this, whenever you want to understand a concept in the Bible that is not familiar, you have to use what is called the law of first mention. And let me, let me help you out with this. The law of first mention is this. To understand a particular word or doctrine, we must find the first place in Scripture that that word or doctrine is revealed and study that passage. So if we want to understand what worship is, we must study the first time worship appears in the Bible. You with me? Edmund, you with me? Say amen. Say well. There we go. You're with me. So the first time worship appears in the Bible, there's no music, there are no instruments, and there's no singing mentioned. And it is in Genesis chapter 22. And it says this. So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and we will worship and return to you. The word worship is a word, shaha, which means to prostrate, prostrate, to bow down, to crouch, to fall down flat and do reverence. The very first time the word worship appears in the Bible is synonymous with sacrifice. And the reason why David turned that moment from being just a common Monday moment to a worship moment is because there was a sacrifice that was involved. David, like most of his men, had probably memorized Deuteronomy. And he immediately equates this act of sacrifice for this man, from these men, as a sacrifice unto the Lord. So he had to pour the water on the ground. Because these men had brought something natural. But listen, when they placed the jar of water in the hands of the king, he immediately turned something common and ordinary into a worshipful moment where the king of kings had just walked into the cave. David saw it with his spiritual eyes. So now we see that this water was not being wasted. That this water that David was pouring, it was not water being wasted, but it was worship being lifted. And I'm here to remind some of you today, because there are some of us that missed out on the common things, ordinary things in life. And we see him as coming, and we just see him as water. But what God wants to show us today, that sometimes the things that you do for him, the things that you do in your family, the things that you do throughout your work, if you put him in the hands of the king, he can turn him from coming to uncommon. He can turn him from being wasted to something that's been worshipful and lifted up to him. Mom and dad, I know there's some of you that are struggling because you don't know where your kids are going to spend eternity. And you're praying, and you're seeking God, and you're saying, 
saying, am I wasting my time? God is saying, you're not wasting anything. You are worshiping me right now through obedience as you're lifting it up today. Come on, there's some of you, your marriage, you're concerned for your marriage because you know if you're wasting this time that you're together. If you're saying, is it even worth it? Should I even continue? Might as well give, give up. We've wasted so many years. God says, if you just give it to me, if you just place it on my hands, I will make sure that that thing that you're pouring out, it is not wasted, but it is worship unto the Lord. Come on. Can we give Jesus praise? Can we worship him and honor him? It is not wasted. It is worship. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. Can I say a well? But wanting to have their ears tickled, listen, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside. But as for you, use self-restraint in all things, endure hardship. Remember Pastor John talking about doing hard things. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And then he says this, For I am being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. This is Paul writing from the inside of a prison. Another cave. And he turns this moment into worship. I wonder how some of you guys may feel like you're in a cave right now. And you're wondering God is. Because you're running away. And you don't feel like you're home. And God wants to remind you. If you just let me pour you out like I poured Paul. I can still do something with your life. I can still do something with your past. We typically would, would see ourselves as the king in this story. We can relate to David maybe when you feel like the world is after you. You're hiding in a cave. And there are some needs that you're praying for God to, to meet for you. But let me remind you, we're not David in this story. Maybe you think, well... Maybe God's calling me to be a mighty man, to go into the camp of the enemy and take something that the enemy has taken and bring it back as worship to the king. And I know I wish that that was true, but we're not the mighty men. I wonder if in this story we're the small, insignificant, in the background little jar that's made out of dirt. That was created to, to contain, to carry, but also to pour living water. This is us. But we only work whenever we are placed in the hands of the king. Nowhere else. Where is your life today? Whose hands is it in? <clears throat> because your worth will come from the hands you place yourself in. 
maybe there's some of you that are trying to keep inside something that God is calling you to pour out. Maybe there's some pain today that as you pour it out, God's going to give purpose to your pain. As you let it go, God's going to say, I will refill you. And the reason why what God calls us to pour ourselves out, you, when you think about it, the water was not wasted at all. David didn't drink it. The men didn't drink it. But who was the, benefit, the, bene, the beneficiary of the water? Who was the beneficiary of the water? Who received the benefits of drinking the water? The soil. And my Bible tells me in Genesis 2 that God made us from this dirt. And that whenever you put water on dirt that is ready, something, there's potential for something new to be created. And there's potential for God to do something that wasn't there before. I'm here to remind you that the things that you, people may see that you think you're wasted. Some of you, you don't serve because you think it's a waste of time. And God's saying, I'm not wasting your time. I'm wanting to use what you pour out so that I can create something new. You're not wasting your time. You're worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When you open doors, when you serve, when you pray for your kids, when they're, not even, when they're sleeping and you're begging to God, well, can, can you please make sure that they serve you all the days of your life? You're not wasting something. Your tears are not falling to dead ground. Your tears are falling to open ground that will eventually build something that God can use for his kingdom. It's for his glory. I'm going to invite you to stand. Edmund, would you stand with me? Because we're going to go back to worship in just a little bit. But I want to remind you of a couple of things. In every story that we, that we listen to or that we read, we must find Jesus. Because the entire Bible points us to Jesus. And this scripture is no less different. The water David asked for wasn't just from any, any city. It was from Bethlehem. You cannot just read Bethlehem without thinking. Bethlehem, Bethlehem means the house of bread. Prophet Micah prophesied 700 years before Jesus in Micah 5.2. And he says, but as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, will, one will come Forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His time of coming forth from long ago, from the days of eternity. In John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry. And the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. It wasn't just any water. It was the water from the well. Jesus speaking about Jacob's well in the Bible. He says in John 4, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. It wasn't any well. It was a well by the gate of Bethlehem. And Jesus says to us in John 10, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me shall be saved. Some of you this morning, the Holy Spirit is revealing you the wells that you keep going to to satisfy your thirst that leave you thirsty. It's time that you change your well. If you want a practical way to apply this, 
begin to look at your life as some of the things that you need to replace that are causing you to be unwell. That are causing your spirit that bring fear and anxiety and remove those things and stop drinking from them and come to the well. Spend some time with Jesus. We're going to have an opportunity here in Edmond in just a little bit after we pray. When we sang this song earlier, I will make room for you. Making room means I'm going to empty myself, Lord, so that more of you can be in me. This vessel only works first if it's empty. And allow God to fill you with this living water. Let's pray. We're going to go into worship in just a moment. And then we'll, we'll see what God wants to do. Edmund, okay, see, pray with me. If you're watching online, pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that today that we're reminded that you are for us. I thank you that today that we're reminded that, that, that you want to satisfy our thirst. And I pray, God, that every person that is watching here today, that is listening, I pray that your Holy Spirit lovingly reveals to them the well that we've been drinking from that has left our spirit unwell. And that you give us the insight and the passion to respond to you and say, Lord, I want to drink from you. I want to drink from your presence. My spirit is dry. My soul is dry. I need a touch of your Holy Spirit. In your name I pray. Amen. Here's what I want you to do, Edmund, if you're still watching with me. I want us to take some time as we go back into just worship. Some of you, if you go in, if, if, if your spiritual walk with the Lord feels dry right now, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Our prayer team and our staff is going to meet forward. If you want them to pray with you, allow them to pray with you. But some of you may just want to come and just be alone. And that's okay too. But I want us to respond. If you're by yourself, if you're with a with spouse, it, do, it doesn't matter. Maybe you need to come and respond accordingly. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you and saying, I have a new well for you that is full of living water. Would you come and drink? Some of you, you haven't asked Jesus. You've been drinking from the wrong well together, and Jesus has invited you. Would you come and begin a friendship, a relationship with him? I invite you to come forward. I would love for us to fill this altar and spend the next five, seven minutes and believe that God is going to do something amazing and believe that God, the water of his presence, is going to come and fill our soul. Let's do that. Let's come. Let's go back to worship. Come on. Let's, would you lift your hands or make your way forward? Go ahead and make your way forward right now. Make your way forward. Don't wait any longer. Don't wait any longer. And just say, I'm, I'm here. I, I don't need anything else. I'm just going to come because I just need more water from his presence. I just need more water from his presence. And this prayer is, I, will, I don't want religion, God. I just want a true experience with your Holy Spirit. Make your way forward right now. And let's spend some time and respond to what this Holy Spirit is saying. And I'll come back in just a minute. Let's go ahead and do that. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. 
If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.